All right, then. So I'm just, uh, again, I'm going to do uh, just a quick opener and then we'll uh, jump in. Okay. Namaste and in la catch and welcome to this episode of One World in a New World. I'm your host, Zen Benefield. And as I've said before, Namaste and in la catch both come from ancient languages. Namaste from the Sanskrit spoken, it's Brahmi. And in la catch comes from the Mayan. Namaste means the divine in me recognizes the divine in you. And in la catch means I am another you. So imagine what that can do in application in your life and toward others. We could have a world-changing event in every moment, right? Cool. All right, so this episode's guest is uh, Mitchell Levy, Levy, and... Uh, one of those. <laughs> yeah, I, I, gosh, it's such an easy one to, to not bumble, right? And uh, <laughs> he is a cred dust sprinkler. Um, he's got an MBA from William and Mary, which is pretty credible. And he's all about credibility and bringing that back into the world and shifting the incredulous back to the credible in some ways, in massive ways, in order to affect how we're moving forward. And especially in, I think, in these times when we're creating a new normal that we need to be happy with. So Mitchell, welcome. <laughs> Zen, good to be here. <laughs> I think we're going to have some fun, you know. It, oh, and it's easy to get the last name wrong, you know. You know, I'm I'm hooked on phonics. <laughs> <laughs> My mother was an English teacher, and, and still, I I, I I tend to pronounce some things word or some words best, but others, even the simple ones, it, it just I have problems with. So we all uh, have those challenges at times. Um, so in how you developed your uh, sense of being, let's, let's start there. And the idea of um, needing to be credible, what kind of internal uh, processes did you go through and, and how did you see those um, kind of mirroring each other's, the inner and the outer uh, experience in, in inside and in the outer world? So are you asking me from the from the perspective of what life event or what conscious or subconscious process? Because those are different time frames. Well, in essence, all three, what I'm after is kind of this view that you came to know through your direct experience and, and both searching the inner and the outer worlds. That makes sense? Uh, it absolutely does. And and with the first thing I'm going to say, don't think, oh, my God, we don't have enough time for this. So it was nine years old uh, when uh, my father left my mom and subsequently raised by three kids, school teacher. We were poor, mm -hmm. uh, didn't know it whatsoever. Um, dad wasn't part of the picture. And so at that stage, me wondering what a father was supposed to be helped me and and subsequently helped me focus on integrity as an extremely important component of my life. Oh, I, I can imagine that that's so, you know, I, I had a similar thing. I was orphaned as a, a newborn and adopted. And so the, the integrity was there with my father because he showed me, you know, and mom, unconditional love. He was a 32nd degree Mason too. 
Um, so that really helped instill a, a solid value and, and moral system in me. Anyway, please go ahead. Well, I was going to say the lack of integrity is what caused me to want to have integrity in my sure. life, right? Absolutely. And then, so let's fast forward. And I'm going to fast forward to, um, I left the work world, Sun Microsystems, in 1997. Uh, since then, I've been on my own. I've, I've sat on the board of a public firm. I have uh, run four different uh, CEO networking groups. I've created four different executive business programs at Silicon Valley Universities. And as a book publisher, I've published over 750 books. Wow. So just a couple of things. All right. And, and then what happened is I, I've done two TED Talks. And the first one was at the end of 2017. And it got me thinking about the world in a different way. And what it got me thinking about is that the audience I was serving as a book publisher wasn't the right audience. I was serving the audience of people who wanted to write their own books. And what I realized is I wanted to work with those busy professionals who were already successful. They just wanted more credibility with a book and they were going to use the book to make more money. And so uh, 2018, I built a writing school. 2019, I sort of said, hey, I need to rebrand. So I flew to a friend's location in Miami and came up with a new brand, Global Credibility Expert. Hmm. Two months after that, I woke up and had a Napoleon Hill moment. I just thought 500 millionaires produce Think You Grow Rich. If Mitchell Levy interviewed 500 thought leaders on credibility, I'd have a book. Absolutely. Right, so did that. Um, international bestseller, uh, Credibility Nation, international bestseller in seven countries. Um, I have a TED Talk that came out of it focused on credibility, have a membership community focused on credibility, but more importantly, somewhere around 95% of the way through the interviews, I realized there was a huge problem in the world that I was being led to help fix. And the huge problem is that we're just not taught properly. We've been taught on how to get things done in a way that's not necessarily a humane way, not necessarily a credible way. Kind of so the means justify the ends way. Exactly. Yeah. And so what, what I recognize, and, and I'll give you a couple of stats that came out of the interviews. First, 2% of the people had no integrity, which means that they scheduled time on the calendar to have an interview and they didn't show up and didn't say why before or after. Okay. Now, when I talk to other podcasters, they go, hey, Mitchell, that's normal. Let me just say, if that number sounds normal to you, you're wrong. That is not normal. You want to hang out with people which have 100% integrity. Otherwise, why are they in their... In their in Absolutely. Their period, right? Absolutely. That's, that's part of the partnering workshops that I do, uh, building road and bridge construction projects. You know, we, we start with a code of ethics. And, and of course, I, I give them the question, how do you want to behave towards each other? Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Simple. So, uh, so give you another one that, that, that sort of blows me away. 4% of the people came after the hour for a live interview. So let's, let's put it in a different way. You're being interviewed by the global credibility expert on your credibility. You think it's credible to come after the hour for a live show. Fashionably late. Okay. Right. All right. 23% of people actually came late. I defined late for a live show is within three minutes. Okay. 
So here's what's interesting to me. I don't think people do that on purpose. I think people do that because they're taught wrong. They're not taught the importance of, if you're going to get on somebody else's podcast, then I was, I started panicking a half hour before because I didn't have the link. I got on your podcast 10 minutes early because to me, that is what's respectable to give you the respect. And, and I, I saw know. that, that, that was so honorable and honoring, um, you know, my wife and I both were, were professionals and, and we always show up early. Uh, she's a, a pianist and, and uh, concert level um, conservatory trained in St. Petersburg, Russia. So she's of that ilk and, you know, showing up early it, on time is late. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So I got two more stats, which are crazy and then I'll tie it all together for okay. you. So once uh, you could tell in our conversations that it's pretty transparent and, you know, it's the no BS, let's just get to it and let's enjoy what we do. And you could, you could ask any question. I'll give you, like, you, when you get to know somebody, when they speak from their heart and you get to know them, that's really what we want for anyone we interact with. Absolutely. So 80% of the people I interviewed, when I went back to look at their asynchronous presence, so how do they show up on LinkedIn? How do they show up on their websites? It sucked. Now, let me, let me be clear on that. I say that for shock value. Okay. It may not have looked bad, but it doesn't show me who they are. It shows some marketing representation of who they are, but not who they are. It doesn't show me their heart. Yeah, it's the window dressing. It, it, and it's bad window dressing. Yeah. Not just window dressing, bad window dressing. All right, here's the one that, that I'm still in shock. 98%. Now, remember, I only talked to thought leaders. It's now, as of, as of this morning, 603. 98% um, of the people I talk to cannot articulate who they serve and the pain point they serve in 10 words or less. 98% of people, and I call that, I call it a CPOP. It's really your purpose. 98% of people cannot articulate their purpose. Hmm. And, and then kind of, it surprised me. And what I was able to do in interviewing people is I realized I had a superpower. One of those superpowers that I have is clarity. And that is to be able to articulate in a short period of time, who you serve and the pain point you serve. Right. So my, my CPOP, if, if I, when I was doing the interviews, the CPOP I came up with was really broad. It's, it's still huge and it's my bigger overarching. It's humans that want to be seen as credible, right? So humans is who I serve and, and that want to be seen as credible, both pain point and aspiration point. What I'm going to say now for credibility nation, because you, I wanted to more, narrow, uh, more narrowly define the focus. Sure. It is businesses that feel invisible. And there's so many reasons. Now, look at the five stats I gave before. Any one of those stats could be why somebody comes, seems invisible. They come late. They apparently have no integrity. They have a shitty asynchronous presence. They have no idea who, if, by the way. If, they have no follow through. If you have 98% of you listening, don't know who your purpose is. How could you possibly be anything but invisible? Because people can't see you. Right. Just to be clear, right? So, now well, now doesn't that okay? So, 
let's leap into the science aspect of that and quantum physics and resonant fields and, and harmonics and the things that those create, which we, uh, and I'm sure you're aware of the three brain system from the, the ancient or traditional indigenous philosophy, you know, the gut's the first brain, which is where we intuit the, the, the gut feeling, right? And then the heart and then the, the head. So we don't, we're taught not to think about the heart and the gut. We just process everything in, in the head and wonder why we experience chaos or invisibility, right? So from that gut feeling, there is a lack of resonance there. Something feels uncomfortable, right? When people look at you or a company, let's say. And so there's something that's just not quite right. You may have all the services that they're looking for, but there's something that keeps people from engaging, right? And so that's what you're, that's what I hear you saying that, you, that you're uncovering for could, them apocalyptically, that. right? It could, it could be that. And I'll give you another word. So this okay. is one of my, so I invented new words. First, I have an updated definition. Oh, I love it. Credibility. Um, and you mentioned cred dust. But let me give you another word since you just mentioned it. It's called cred crud. Mm. So cred crud are the things that you do that hurts your credibility, but they're minor. Okay. So let's be clear. When for some people who have unique names, they use different names on different social media platforms. So I could find you on one, but not find you on the other. Cred crud. Uh, if you that's have branding. a website, that, That's an error in branding. That's a... a I, I'm going to say I don't want to use the word branding because it has a marketing and a, a connotation associated with it. that's not always positive. It's sometimes dubious, but the answer is yes. Congruence, um, continuity. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, one of the things that the biggest cred cred most people have is they have the wrong copyright at the bottom of their website. Right. It's not so it's not necessarily a, or they have their name and they want to feel important. So it's all caps. Right. So what happens with cred crud is it doesn't any any particular form of cred crud doesn't immediately rule you out of a situation. But the more cred crud you pile up, just like if you go to the dentist, a little bit of plaque doesn't guarantee a cavity. But the more plaque you have, the better chance of a cavity, the more cred crud you have a better chance that you will not be seen as credible and they just will pass you by. Right. That's, that's what happens. So let's turn this inward, right? How did you see that? What are the things that you noticed in yourself, if there were any, that you saw reflecting in others and things that you could assist in as a process of your own growth? <sighs> Hmm. I think, I think what happened, both, both TED Talks, the first one being in, uh, towards the end of 2017, and the second one being January of 2021. Mm -hmm. Both TED Talks allowed me to look a little bit more inward and specifically on how I was taught and mentored. And so in the first TED Talk, what I realized is my first real male mentor was my first boss out of uh, business school. 
And he was hedonistic or narcissistic. So he taught me all these horrible things. Yeah. Right. And, and I thought, and, and in my entire, in my entire work career, when I was working for corporate, apparently what I recognize is, is I never really answered the question exactly the way I wanted to. I always answered questions the way I thought my boss would have wanted me to ask. So that would be, well, that would say authenticity, right? Right. And, well, and so in other psychological terms, that would be codependent, right? Because it would be codependent. That, Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so that was something, as soon as I left corporate, so working for myself, that, that habit, I, I, uh, I, it was easy to throw away because it was, it was so much fun when I answered a question for a client and they said, what do you think of this? And I said, I think it sucks. First time I actually gave my true opinion like that. And, and I almost physically, I was guarded like this, right? Oh, sure. but, but what ended up happening is, well, nobody ever talked to me like that. Tell me more, right? So that was, that was really valuable for me. Well, and that's honest and authentic in how you felt about it. And this is something, as you're saying, we're not necessarily taught. And this is, you know, talk about superpowers. I, I was um, interviewed on a superpowers podcast and, and they asked me, I'd never thought about what my superpower is. And they asked me point blank, what's your superpower? First thing out of my mouth, didn't have to think a word, vulnerability. Nice. Right. So in order to be honest and authentic, you also have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to just lay it out there and, you know, which is a tough one for a lot of people to get through because they want to be accepted. They want to feel safe. They want to be acknowledged. And those kinds of fears of not being so get in the way. I'm with you. And okay. so, I will, by the way, I will... Let's come back to the definition of credibility, but I agree with your statement in terms of uh, what you said. So the, the, the second time I looked at it internally was when I was looking for the second TED Talk because I thought I was over most of the, most of the silliness that my first male mentor boss taught me. I heard you wanted and, to say Michigas. And it took me... 33 years since he taught me his stuff before I was doing the, the actually three years be before I did the first TED talk and three years after that, I did the second. And I kind of realized that, I mean, he taught me silly things like how to be, um, how to treat the people working for me like crap because they're supposed to serve me, not serve themselves. Um, how to completely just be, inauthentic by giving people exactly what they want to say. I mean, I got over a bunch of those, but it wasn't until 36 years later in practicing for the second TED talk that I, it turned out. So one of the cool things I did is now this was during COVID and, and because uh, the first TED talk, anywhere I was speaking, I found magic words. Magic word is I'm giving a TED talk and I get jump on the stage and try it. Yeah, everywhere I went, somebody said yes. So in the second TED Talk, it was during COVID, so I, there were no stages to jump on, or at least no stages that were physical. Right. So what I ended up doing is I ended up having 30 different sessions where I would jump in front of people. My first one actually happened to be in front of 80. It was in a group of, a group of people in Dallas. And then my 10th reviewer said something. 
that recognized that I recognized that I still hadn't let go my first male mentor. Hmm. And so here's what he said. He said, Mitchell, those people who are teaching you to be dubious, to me, dubious is the opposite of credible. Right. They're innocent because that's what they were taught. And those before them were taught that as well. Oh, and the thing is that these teachings, they're not just localized or recent. They are historical and they are embedded through cultural and, and sociological memes and creodes using Sheldrake's work, and that they're embedded so much that they're in our DNA because they're passed through genetically as well. All kinds of patterns are such. And so we have to come overcome those. And I want to acknowledge that one of the, what is the three greatest fears, number one is public speaking, number two is death, and number three is divorce. And that your ability to jump up and speak publicly, right, is rare. And I'm sure in, in a lot of ways, you get up there just because you know you can. You, you've gone through the process of overcoming that and realizing, oh, wow, this can be fun, you know, because it's spontaneous in a lot of cases. You, you've got prepared work, right? But a lot of times, especially when you're at, interacting, it's spontaneity. I have a, I have a, I do have a way that I could share for people how to, how to, how to talk. Um, and it's, it's what I do all the time. But let me finish this one thought. And then we sure, have two, sure. two things we've said. And, and so the one thought, by the way, really interesting thought, uh, thinking and interacting with you, by the way. No, thank um, you. Uh, you're welcome. And so what I realized when it, 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 it was one, it was the 10th reviewer. And he goes, like I said, he said, Mitchell, those people will teach you they're innocent and you need to not hold them accountable so that's that was 36 years i finally forgave which was the last piece of dubiousness i was holding on to i finally forgave my first male mentor not that it was bothering me but the fact that i could actually release it was really was really interesting to me and so, so what happens is people are going to teach you stuff that they think is right, right. if you go through life Blaming other people for your situation or blaming other people for who you are, or what you've done, that's an excuse. If you allow all your excuses to go away and you just focus on you, it's this sort of inner calming beauty. Right. That right. Whatever happens, happens. And this is me. It's my ability to make or not make it. Or the universe is going to give me the gift, the gifts that come in the door at the right time. And and I think. I didn't realize that I, I had blame. I, I, mean, I don't even know if I realized at the time or still do, but I know I don't now. Sure, sure. Now, you, you know, you mentioned the excuses. It, it reminded me in my uh, second degree program, uh, the um, MA in organizational management, there was a study group that was giving a presentation and they made the, the inference of, of challenge to change and there only being three letters difference, right? but they didn't have anything for the LLE. And of course, I, I'm this loudmouth kid in the classroom, even at my age, right? And so I popped out liabilities, limitations, and excuses. And then years later, I, I built an annual conference for ASTD around 
that of removing liabilities, limitations, excuses in the workplace. And they're all personal. Kind of cool. Right? So those are all personal references. And, and you can point fingers, but you got to remember, you got three of them coming back at you. So, you know, if you're double fisting it, <laughs> you got six and you better look out because there's a lot of self-examination and letting go to do. And that's pretty cool. I really, I really like it. Nice job. Well, thank you. I, I, I had encouragement. You know, I, I was, uh, I was president elect at the time and um, uh, the then president of the Arizona chapter for the National Speakers Association called me up a couple of weeks after I'd made the commitment to do this. I had no idea that, you know, word would ripple out. And he says, hey, I hear that you're doing this and I want to help. What can I do? And I said, well, his name is Neil Dempster. And I said, well, Neil, I'm, I'm toying with this idea. I'm not sure if it's going to float. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, well, my idea is called, it, I want to call it the shift, challenge to change, removing liabilities, limitations, and excuses in the workplace. And he said, that's brilliant. Let's do it. Right? So, <laughs> so we did. Um, and it turned out to be one of the best uh, conferences they'd had from feedback in over a decade. Now, that was just a whim and... and you know, we had something that an idea that popped up, it emerged and, and we ran with it and it worked. And I nice. think that's a lot of what you're talking about where, you know, you, when you're free of the past, that when you have an idea and you just leap into it, it's kind of a leap of faith, if you will. The universe, uh, uh, John English calls it the momentum tunnel right? It, that when you step forward with attention, intention, and interaction, everything else seems to work with you and give you those serendipitous moments and synchronicities that then you can begin to recognize. And quite frankly, I think that's quantum entanglement on an experiential level. We mm -hmm. just haven't recognized it as such. You know, for a long time, it's been called living in spirit. Well, it's the same thing. I'm going to give a phys physical representation to that. Sure, I love it. Many times in life, we are handed a gift on a silver platter. Absolutely. Many times in life, we are so focused on what we think we need to do this minute that we are not paying attention to the gift that's right in front of us. Absolutely. So I point out to you that there's a key. There's a key, there's money, there's there's vivation. There are many gifts on your silver platter that many people just sort of forgo. And I would encourage people that when the gift comes your way to grab it. Yeah, that, that, that's what I, I tell my coaching clients uh, that, as a transformational life coach. I said, they ask, well, what am I to do? I said, just pay attention to what's in front of you, right? Don't look to the horizon. Don't look beyond today. You know, just do what shows up in front of you. And as you become aware of what that is, then you'll have a better interaction with it because you're paying attention and your intention is to pay attention. Right? And, it, and it's phenomenal how that, and it's phenomena full as to how that really works because it seems magical to many of us and it's just science we don't understand. In my okay. opinion. It's, you know, decades of investigation and experimentation to come to that realization, let alone be able to live it. And I think that's part of what you're talking about is, is that credibility of being in that place 
and available and vulnerable and willing to participate with your full being. Yes. So let's, since we talked about that, we'll bring up, we'll, we'll open up the definition of credibility. So okay. if you look in the dictionary today, it is only one third accurate. What the dictionary says is credibility is the quality in which you're trusted. Uh, but that's only one third accurate because that definition, it, it's been around for a while, but where that definition comes from, think about. Trusted to our, do what? Well, I'll, <laughs> let me tell you what I think it is. Uh, let's just talk about book publishers. Okay. Why they would have liked in the past before the democratization of book publishers or music, before the democratization of the internet and the music industry is you'd have a book publisher who'd say, here's the author. They are credible. Okay, here's what they're saying. Here's the author. Trust me, they're the ones who could solve your problem by their books so we can make money. Hmm. So that's the whole profit over people and planet agenda that we've been experiencing for millennia. And Absolutely. now we're flipping it with credibility to people and planet over profit. Doesn't do away with the profit. Right, right. Profit's still important. Right. And so, so let's add to the definition. Credibility is the quality that people know you, like you, and trust you. Mm -hmm. And so on the know you, it's not that they know of you, it's that they know you. So underneath those three pillars, know, like, and trust, there are now 10 components. And so these came out of the interview. So on the knowing side, number one, you'll love this, is servant leadership. Yeah. Okay. So you got to be a servant leader. Two and three, you have to have the intent and commitment to do the right thing. And the fourth area is having integrity. Just basically, how do you share your integrity? Mm -hmm. And so when, you, when you're interacting with somebody, typically you hear the phrase, know, like, and trust. But the truth is, I want to trust somebody first before I could decide to even spend the time to get to know them. <laughs> reason right. I'm laughing my dad used to tell me I, because I, I was a very trusting young man and he would chastise me and, and you know damn it do you have to trust everybody and my response was well yeah otherwise I don't give them the opportunity to prove themselves right you have to be willing to, to step in that place. And, and of course, then discernment develops over time because you learn how, you know, the signs, the, the, the patterns and processes to, to look for in others that indicate whether they are truly credible or not or trustworthy. Yeah. So, so uh, we'll, we'll talk about trust and, and trust. There are four components as well. You've mentioned uh, three of them vulnerability, integrity, I have integrity twice, and authenticity. Hmm. There's a fourth that came out of the interviews, which was surprising to me, and that's being coachable. So it's being vulnerable, having integrity, having authenticity, and being coachable. So why would that be surprising? I didn't, well, when I did my first TED Talk, I thought about what trust was, and I just thought I didn't put the word coachability in there. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, it, it didn't cross my mind. And, and literally it was when somebody who I interviewed, when they, what would happen Zen, what I do now, when I do an interview, I went out charged for the interviews. Um, 
and I've done 603, right? So I'm excited about this. It's five questions in five minutes. We can only answer five questions in five minutes if you have a real fine-tuned messaging on what is your purpose in life. Right. So the first question is, what is your CPOP? What is that customer point of pain? And there was a guy who I think he took 30 seconds to answer his one to three second response. And so then I, I go, I said, well, you know, other people have answered it in this way. And typically, just to be clear, I'll tell you the formula who you serve, like what is the what is the group of people you serve and what is the primary pain point you address? He, he was able to condense it down to 20 seconds. So then I asked the next question, do you mind if I do a little bit of coaching? And his response was, first one ever, yes, I do. I have my way of doing things and you have yours. And I, until that point in time, so that was a gift. That was our serendipity giving me that gift because until then I hadn't realized that not being coachable, and now I've, I saw it subsequently so many times. Oh, he drew the blinds, right? And he pulled the blinds down at that point. So no. Yeah. No, I have to tell you, I did something really cool, which might have been, instead of actually saying the words that were coming to the back of my head, I left an uncomfortable two or three second silence to which he said, I don't think this is going to work out for us for this interview, does it? And I said, nope, I don't think it will either. Best of luck with everything you do. Hmm. I really mean that because the truth is, as we're, as the world is waking up on what is important about credibility and that is being coachable. I mean, I signed the board of a public firm. We hired so many different people for different situations. And why would I ever want to hire somebody who wouldn't want to take advice from the CEO, take advice from board members, take advice from other employees, take advice from outside experts, or even worse, take advice from clients? Or take advice, period. You know, that's one of the, the most accessible in the moment, present opportunities for learning that, that one could have and golden nuggets in that um you know why would you want to deny that and people do i agree with you you know that there are some who, who just say no this is my way i don't want to hear anything else i've made my mind up you're not going to change it and it's like okay my wife and i talk about this all the time and both of us are teachers and and so we know the value of being teachable as well and, uh, and I'm taught a lot by her too, right? Uh, and the wonderful thing is, you know, it's, she's from St. Petersburg, Russia. She's a conservatory trained pianist. And so she has this understanding and musicality from very young where both hemispheres of her brain were taught to talk to each other. Hmm. Right? And because that's what music does. It allows you to enter that space where you can communicate. Yeah. And I'm a progressive jazz drummer, so I and I play. I love Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi's references in Flow, the Psychology of Optimal Experience, where he's talking about a jazz quartet that's just doing improv. Time, ego, everything disappears because you're just in the moment and you're having a conversation, right? And those are the conversations that often are impeccable in the the gems that they share, especially when you're open to listening and learning. Hmm. 
Agreed. So when you meet somebody new and you've never seen them before, although we, like I said, we know, no like, and trust, right. it really is trust. You want to trust first that this person is worthy, are you ready, of getting to know. Right. So we talked about who they say they are. Of who they say they are. So it's, yeah. it, so I'd say it's, now I'm not trying to change the phrase from trust, no like. I'm just saying that sure. the, typically what, and although when I say, when I do the interviews, the five question interviews, I actually focus on trust, then no, then like. Actually, technically, I don't focus on like. So let's talk about like. For kind example. of an automatic then. Exactly. Right. So what happens is with the interview itself, it's not supposed to be combative. It's not supposed to be confrontational. Or if it is, if it's done with love, it feels like it is. Sure. Right. And so well, sometimes the question feels good. Just questions feel confrontational to some people. Yes. Yes. It well, it depends on the questions. Like some yeah. people want a scripted question, right? Or they want the scripted approach so they could prepare for it. And like you asked me something I didn't expect. So I had to take a second to think about it. And that's okay. Right. Cause that's part of. Absolutely. That. You should take whatever time's necessary. You know, whether we call it a pregnant pause, you know, that's why, because it's, there's something there emerging ready to give birth in that moment. And we don't necessarily, because we have to think a little bit or feel what our response might be and then interpret it and put it into words. So there are, two components associated with like hmm. now I, i've never actually understood what it means to be likable before but they just naturally flew 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 flew's not the right word it, they naturally came out of and i can't even think of the right word of the research it was really interesting under no it's servant leadership kind under bubbled up under trust bubbled up that's a better one thank you you're welcome Thank you. Under trust, it was coachable. Under being likable, there are two elements. One was, I, I caught sharing the stage, although you mentioned it at the beginning, it's, it's sprinkling cred dust. Mm -hmm. And the second is to show respect by showing up when you show up. And we talked about this both ways. Sprinkling cred dust, in essence, what that means is paying highlight. You do it all the time, Zen. Paying highlight to other people so that you're pointing out their ideas, thoughts, and actions. Right. Everyone wins. We are taught, however, traditional school, traditional education, we're taught not to share our competitors or other people. So this is going against traditional thought process, but that is, you want to win in life, spread cred dust. Absolutely. And show respect. Now, when I say show respect, it's showing up when you show up. To me, that means coming early. So we talked about that earlier. Um, now, you know, you, you have a, a Zoom meeting with somebody coming one to two minutes early. If you have an interview, 10 minutes, okay? So come early, come prepared. There is no way in today's world that you shouldn't spend at least five or 10 minutes Googling the person you're interviewing or interacting with before you talk to them so you're up to speed with who they're and what they do. And then here's the, here's the most interesting one. Come with your heart. So this is, you talked about the three components before. It's come with your gut. Yeah. It's allow your intuition to work and come with your heart. Now, this is shocking to me. I don't, I don't mention this as a stat. Only 50% of the people, when they walked into the, initially walked into the interview, show me their heart. Only 
So, so let me just think I'm about surprised. this. Honestly, I'm surprised it was that high. Well, maybe part of what I do, <laughs> by the way, thank you for saying that. You're the first to say that, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think it's why. When somebody would sign up for an interview, I sent them a 16-minute video on how to prepare. Ah. By the way, I always find that fascinating. I send a 16-minute video to prepare for a five-minute interview. <laughs> okay. So by, <laughs> but it works, by that, right? You give them oh, a, a, an honorable request and, and you show them, okay, here's some uh, opportunity to prepare so that you have the ability to be prepared first of all, and to know what to anticipate. And this is what I think a lot of people are, are afraid because they, they, they can't deal with the unknown, right? They want to know what to expect. And too often, you've got to throw your expectations out the window in order to be fully present and show your heart. Mm. Yes. Yeah, well, well said. And it, Thank you. It's just really fascinating to me. So once again, I'm going to put it in a slightly different perspective. So you're being interviewed by the global credibility expert and you think without showing me who you are, only 50% of the people walked in the room wanting to show me who they were. Right? I just, I, it, it always amazes me because once again, we're taught to be protective that we were hurt somebody before. So we don't want to, sure. we don't want to do stuff again. And I, you know, the only person you're hurting by not showing yourself is yourself. Right. Yeah. Cause you don't give the other person the opportunity to get to know you and nor do you give them the opportunity or you them the opportunity to know you or you the opportunity to know them. Because when we, uh, and I know there's multiple studies and, and references, and I think you'll agree with this. When we show up, we respond to the energy we get presented with. And if it's aggressive, we'll be aggressive. If it's um, noncommittal, we'll be noncommittal. And we don't have or aren't taught the awareness to be, to recognize that just as what is and still show up as who you are. Hmm. Right, and be comfortable in the uncomfort. Be uh, be comfortable yeah. with the unknown, because it, as you know, there's nobody there that's they're going to hurt you. You know, nobody's standing around with a gun. Right now, a, a, a certain situations that may happen, but that's not what we're talking about. Right, we're talking about showing up to be and do in a way that is representable and acknowledging and honoring of each other. Yeah. Cool stuff. Very um, cool stuff. So did you have a, a, a finish to that? Or, or let me ask you a question. Um, in those people that didn't show up, what do you think or what would have been, if you were in their shoes, right? Um, not that you're judging or being critical of them, but just in the helpful sense of you, right? What would you offer to them? Uh, so let me tell you what I did and then I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I would offer them. Okay. So what I would do, I actually was successful at moving that 
50% to 80% in the green room. Okay, I can see that. First, first words out of my mouth, I'm here to make you shine. If we're not ready to go in a way that you're going to look amazing, we can reschedule. Release valve, right? People felt really comfortable. And then I would talk to him. I said, listen, I, this is not about me and coming up with, like, I, I would help people clarify their CPOP, their customer printed pain. It just happens to be a really interesting superpower that I have, mm -hmm. but it's not really me. It's a teachable skill. Right. I actually have taught other people how to do it and actually have a course where people can teach themselves. So it is a teachable skill. It's just following a formula that's different than what most people do. Sure. All right. So, so I was able to, to increase that. Now it's still 80% means that there's still 20% of the world that even after being told that we're going to bring out your best did not show me who they were either because they're incapable or they're, they're, period, or their barriers are so strong, they can't get over that. Right. And that's that I, that's, that's for you to uh, work with them as clients, not for me. Okay. Right, right, right. Now, what would I recommend instead? Essentially of the likable piece, I would recommend the come prepared. Now I, I know it says, you know, um, come early, come prepared, come with your heart. I, I know it says that, but even knowing that, how many people read directions, right? Even knowing, <laughs> even knowing that to show up in a scenario where love can come your way and to, to come and show respect by, by coming early, being prepared by either watching, in this case, I watched a past interview of yours. I've, I looked uh, Googled you and look at you and what you were doing. So coming prepared. I try and, to be as transparent as possible. And I think I don't know if I accomplished that or not. To be. Yeah. I don't know. There's, I still had questions about who your audience was and who you served. Right. So I got some of it in doing research, but not enough. So okay. that's why when you and I were talking, I asked questions and then you were able to answer those questions immediately. Right. So what I would say is, really show respect from other people. And if you do that, it, it, that level of respect, it is respectful for you to come early, to come prepared and to actually show people who you are. It is disrespectful to want to hide from the person you're in front of, because if that's the case, why make the appointment in the first place? Exactly. Simple. Right. Good question. Thank you. Great answer. Um, we've, we've got a few more minutes here, so I want to go a, a, a little deeper in, into why and how, first of all, why do you think that there's this disrespect of self and how would, granted, there, there's the showing up and doing, you know, following up. But there's a deeper thing that's going on internally. How would a person be able to recognize that in themselves and transcend it? Because you've had, you know, hundreds of experiences with this. So you've got a pretty good you know, bird's eye view. You know, 
which really fascinating. I, I love this question. I, I've said that too many times, so I won't say that again. Um, <laughs> that was me recognizing that that some people use that as a crux. Oh, I love your self-awareness. So what's interesting to me, if 98% of people do not live their purpose because they don't know what their purpose is, mm -hmm. the most important thing you could do is articulate your purpose. So how can you do that today? Well, if you're listening or watching, here's what I'm thinking is figure out, and I call it a CPOP, figure out your CPOP, figure out who you serve, the customer base you serve and the pain point you address. And if you can clearly and easily articulate who you serve and your pain point, there's a couple of things I'm gonna say. First, is that clearly articulated in your asynchronous presence? Because with 80% of the people I interviewed, it wasn't. So does your LinkedIn profile, your Instagram, your Facebook, does your website articulate your CPOP in a way that you've now taken this compass, which you use to, to look and evaluate the world? That's what a CPOP is. Your purpose living out loud is your compass for evaluation. And if you then take that compass and start sharing it asynchronously, you're now magnetizing your compass for other people to find you. And therein enters the science again, where you create, and, and this is uh, many people call it the law of attraction, right? Where you're magnetizing by how you think and feel. And more, you know, again, I use the, the, the three word phrase, attention, intention, and interaction, right? And those three uh, are kind of how the faith, love, and trust plays out, right? This is how you demonstrate it. And that by doing so, then you're able to, to recognize those things and, and ask better questions of who you do serve or why you do serve and, and figuring out your own personal um, mission vision statement, right? So, so well, let's add to that for a second. So if you know your CPOP and you then have satisfactorily solved a client with their CPOP, ask for a video testimonial. Mm-hmm. So I have 470 video testimonials, Wow! right? And typically they, they range, I, I, by the way, it took me about a hundred before I realized I should start asking, right? You and, know, I, I can see that. I have a number uh, and when I look at others, I, I'm, I've got more reviews on LinkedIn than, than most of my connections. And, uh, and that's, it makes me curious, but taking it to the video level, I, I think it is, especially oh. today, imperative. And yet, you know, it's like answering surveys. <laughs> well, uh, here's what's interesting. So when, when you're in the middle of interviewing somebody or if you've just done a customer something good, hold up your phone. What did you think? Hit the record button, right? So after I'm done with the interview and I've done something successful and they've done five questions in five minutes, I say, hey, would you mind doing a quick video testimonial? And then they say, what do you want me to say? So here's the big hint. Don't tell them. Because if you tell what to say, you're now transferring them to their head. They're going to try to figure out how the head can speak. Absolutely. Right? So what you want to say is, tell me what's in your heart. Tell me how this makes you feel. And it needs to be longer than 10 seconds and shorter than two minutes. And whatever you say, I'll be happy with. 
And that allows people to actually talk from their heart, talk from the area, because it's really not about it's and now some people have a hard time with that. Mm. And and so well, it's public speaking. They're afraid of being on camera. Yeah, I don't know Fun. about that. I, I think it's they still want to do it, particularly if they're NSA trained, well, they're professionally trained to go. Oh, I'm so and so from this company. I'm a big right. ass cheese. And this person, by the way, did me really well because they helped me do a better job of showing me to the world. And I'm like, uh, that didn't really sound good. How about how to make you feel? <laughs> right? Can you do it again? Right? And you know, I, I, I typically the second time, if if uh, and very rarely have I had to do that, but typically the second time. Well, and you're skilled at doing that too. You develop rapport easily. And I think that's a, a, it's not just a skill that's learnable. It's just who you are. I, I believe that. I mean, it, yes, you can learn it, but there's, and you practice it, and, you know, and after a while it becomes second nature. And then for, yeah, people could do that. And then eventually it becomes first nature or, or for folks, I've always found that, and I never even realized it, that I create rapport really easily. And I can dive into some really deep topics and, and get people to reveal stuff that they would never do normally. It has to do with, because uh, that works for me as well. Yeah. It has to do with a level of integrity and overall trust. If people feel that you're there to help and that what they say to you will be kept amongst you amongst the two of you right. and people are willing to share well and there's no hidden agenda right i'm not out to get something from you you know i am from you i'm, I'm out to get a conversation that's apocalyptic apocalyptic and in that we have that unveiling and uncovering of things that are useful tools and gems for others to use but yep. mutually beneficial because we have enjoyed this conversation and if we're enjoying it then others probably will too hey can i can i share I, i'm going to share one last thing sure um and then, then i'm going to say listen come to credit value nation you want to learn about your cpop that's that's a it's come comes bundled in and i'll have the links below in the description beautiful so so you had asked before about people having a hard time speaking or not doing things on time and all that. And I want to give something I've used my entire life since under, undergraduate. My undergraduate degree was in stochastic and deterministic models of operational research. It was a short way of, or, or long way of saying, I was taught how to model people and systems, systems and improve them. So I want to tell you about a model. If you're listening or watching, just... On a piece of paper, draw a box and call that the black box. And then have a line going into the black box and write it input. Have a line coming out of the black box and write it output. So what's really interesting to me is if you said to me, Mitchell, you got three minutes to talk about this topic. Or one of the things I do, I actually have a YouTube channel. Um, it's part of the Credibility Nation channel, and I do something called Dear Credibility Expert. I answer as many credibility questions as I can in 10 minutes once a week. Hmm. I never plan. All I do is I look at the input, which is a question, right? and then I think about the output. So I just think to myself, okay, at the end of 10 minutes, assuming I take the most amount of time, 
what are the one, two, or three points I want to communicate? And then I go. Um, what's interesting on Saturday, there's a Saturday networking meeting that I go to where the guy comes up with a word and you have three minutes to give your thoughts on the word. So I do the same thing. The output is, what do I want to communicate at the end of three minutes? And then the black box are the words that I use to navigate, but I never pre-plan the words. I just want to make sure if I have a one or two or three bullet point right. You do your bullet points first. That I, ad that I address the bullet points, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and this is true, by the way, for almost anything you want to do in life. That, I totally agree. And I'm much the same way. It's a thinking process that we use. And I think we learn it or adapt it over time because of the truncation necessary to do things um, in a certain amount of time. Right, we have that time definition <laughs> as we've had today. And I, I really love that last model. And I think that'll be something that, that the audience can put to use immediately just to you know, really consider what, you know, what's the input? What's the output, right? Zen, what, what often happens in many situations, we get caught inside the black box. Hmm. But most people start talking about the black box where if you don't know what your parameters are of what goes in and you don't know what your desired results are of what you want coming out, I get lost inside the black box. Sure. So I need to define the inputs and outputs and then the black back navigation is the easy part. Absolutely. Very true. Mitchell, it's been a wonderful conversation. I, I've just, I've loved it. Um, and I appreciate your time. I, I honor who you are and I look forward to uh, further engagement. Um, thank you. Right back at you. And yes, Let's figure out something fun uh, that we uh, that we can engage on together because I love how you showed up for this event. So thank Super. you. Super. And, and thank you. Um, and namaste and in la catch. Thank you for watching this episode of One World in a New World. I'm your host, Sen Benefiel, and I will see you next time. <laughs>